Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to this new episode of Believe in Grizzlies. Today I have DeMichael Cole. He's the beat writer for the commercial appeal for the Memphis Grizzlies. And he also uh, is a co-host on the Lockdown Grizzly podcast. How you doing today, DeMichael? I'm doing good, Sharon. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, first off, uh, I wanted to ask you, how has it been covering this season? I know it's like being chaotic as heck. And for me, it's like you go from having like expectations, then mm-hmm. it's like, ugh. then job, you know, job was after the first 25 game. Uh, then like they struggled. Then he came back. Then they were good and they started winning. <laughs> then he out for the season. Then Marcus yeah. Smart go down. Then uh, Desmond Bain go down. Jake LaRavia go down. Like he played like how many minutes? Like one minute or so. Then it's yeah. like, ugh. Then they start winning again. I'm like, what is going on? Then it's exciting. Then the the emergence of Vince Williams Jr. and then like Jaron Jackson Jr. doing his thing. I'm like, okay. And now we're we're now. It's just like, what is going on? What are your yeah, thoughts on all that? Oh my goodness! It's it's. I haven't seen anything like this before. Like. Uh, this team came in with all these expectations. And if you talk, if you look back at, you know, how I predicted the Grizzlies before the season, like Sharon, it's, it's almost kind of funny because one of the things that made the Grizzlies stand out to me when you talk about predicting the top six, top five, whatever in the Western Conference, and I had the Grizzlies in that group. And it was because I said, this team is deep enough to withstand injuries. They have the balance where if Ja goes down, they have Marcus Mark, Desmond Bain, uh, you know, et cetera, Luke Kennard, all in the guard rotation. If Desmond Bain were to go down, you still have Ja, you still have, you know, all these, like, they were felt like they were pretty much too deep in every position. And then pretty much every Everybody. player that you yeah, you don't you don't imagine that. You say, okay, yeah, Ja might miss a couple weeks here, Jeremy might miss five games, Des might miss eight or nine games. But you just don't imagine, like, every single uh, – I mean, four of the preseason five projected starters. We all thought, you know, by November, December, uh, when you get to the new calendar year 2024, that the starting lineup would be John Morant, Desmond Bain, uh, Marcus Smart, Jaron Jackson Jr., Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams was the first domino right before the season started. 
And I mean, they've the hits have just kept coming. And how how do you like how do you think that this messes with them? Even though they tell us, mm -hmm. you know, they're fine, all this and that. But that right. has <laughs> man, I can't imagine the ways one of them and especially Jaron. He is the seem like he's taking this like a trooper, but it's just like sometimes you can see that he's upset and he tried to hold on to it, but you can tell that he be upset out there. Yeah. But it's just I mean, like, but to me, I think it's helping him to be more of a of lead of a leader, a vocal leader, and it's helping him with his game. It is helping his game kind of evolve. Like Jaron, if you look at the last couple of years, he is ranked very highly in the NBA above average. I think last year he was like 86th percentile in isolation scoring. Mm -hmm. But we didn't see a lot of it. You know, right. like it was last year was just glimpses there. And now that's pretty much his entire game. Like you don't see uh you know too too much of him scoring the same ways as he scored in the past. Now he does. But a lot of the, his game right now is bringing the ball up the court, mm -hmm. uh, getting the ball in spaces where he can kind of get downhill and use his strength, use his agility, use his footwork uh, to, to either run through someone or, or around him. Like, he has those capabilities. So, yeah, for Jaron, I think it is kind of a blessing in disguise uh, for him uh, from that standpoint. And, yeah, it is frustrating because at the end of the day, like, this is how I look at it. These guys are so used to winning. And I think I was right. talking to – I was talking to Dylan Brooks maybe uh, last year about it, or or maybe it was one of the uh, the older guys this season. But I, f I forget who it was. It was one of the veteran guys who's been around for a while, and they were telling me basically like most of these guys on this team they've never really lost before. Like they've right. experienced the playoff defeats and you know the Golden State, the Utah, and uh, all those things. But they pretty much have gone through great regular seasons: fifty six right. wins, fifty wins. You know. Uh, They've experienced a lot of regular season success. And this is kind of the first time where the Grizzlies, I mean, 0 and 8 to start the season and just constantly getting smacked in the mouth. Right. But it's like, and then like you could say the early losses or whatever, it has things to do with like chemistry and mm -hmm. then them, you know, finding their way. It seemed like they found it, then the injuries happened. But I ugh, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. But, like, chemistry is everything. They had to find their way. And then, like, a lot of the games that they lost was, like, close losses. It's like they didn't get blown out too many times. And then, like, the last two games, games I think they could have won. They should have won. But, hey. But it's just, like, Jaron Jackson Jr. and somebody on X call it the Hustlets. Yeah. out there. <laughs> they're beating people. They're – because, like, honestly, I'm going to say it honestly. I thought the Kings was going to blow them out. It really surprised me that they hung with the Kings like they did. Yeah. It surprised me because people was talking about leaving early. Uh-huh. And, and we seriously, seriously, yeah. seriously. Like, we used to talk about leaving early. So, <laughs> I'm... I literally remember, uh, Sharon, before the game, I was talking to you and, and a couple other people about it. And basically, I was like, this, I don't see how they don't lose by double digits. And I think you said, uh, you said, I think you said they'll, they'll keep it close. And uh, and they did. I mean, they, I mean, they were up they, 15 points. Right. And yeah. I, I think they ran out of gas, you know, mm -hmm. and then it just like 
they're, you know, still learning moments for the young guys. And then another thing, Tyler Jenkins. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, when he took out, when he took Jaren out, <laughs> that fifth foul, everybody, I know you was downstairs, everybody upstairs, we was like, mm -hmm. what? What? What you hold it up? I I don't. Mm, I don't get that part. It's, You're down it, one. Yeah. It 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 was so hard for me to understand kind of what he was uh, trying to do in that moment because I think a lot of us have said this before that at some point Jaren's got to learn how to play through it. Like Taylor but, Jenkins. But can't. he. But but what I'm saying is mm -hmm. Jaren has been playing. Through it, where he'll have those fouls if he don't foul out. He has yeah. how many times he fouled out this season? He hasn't fouled out. Like, no, you're right. A and, exactly. And that, but that's my point too. Like, Jaron has to learn how to play through it, and part of that is the coach trusting him in that situation. And it was only three minutes left, and you were only down. What? It was a one possession game. Yes. It was a one possession game at that time. You do not take your best player off the floor if he fouls out. So be. Yeah, but he fouls exactly, out. He fouled out. Exactly. But exactly what I thought was going to happen and the worst thing that you uh would have wanted to happen in that situation did happen is as soon as he went out the game the kings went on a run they sure did they went on a run i think they went on a 12 and 2 run and it was all over that was all she wrote yeah <laughs> all over after that and then it's just like it seems like when jaren went out seemed like they was confused uh with the plays and i'm so sick and tired of david Roddy missing at the basket but that's another story um yeah so, uh, what do you think with the new additions of the new players that came in? I'm going to pronounce this man's name right because I've been studying it and I don't have it right now. Um, Trey Jamison and Tyshawn Iwomu. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was close. That was pretty close. Yeah, it's Iwoma. Mm -hmm. Iwoma? Mm -hmm. Okay, Iwoma. Okay, yeah. cool. Because I've been looking at the pronunciation guide of that. Awoma. Okay, I got I got it. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of those additions? Because I know that Jameson is gonna help with the rebounding. Hopefully yeah. he helps with the rebound. I saw him in practice. Uh his, his, his first practice with Tim, and he's a big dude. Like Ooh, okay. you, you, you get up close to him and, and, and you see it. Like he's he has kind of a chiseled frame. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you can tell he's every bit of like 6'10. 250 260 pounds so he looks the part from the standpoint of we haven't seen the grizzlies since steven adams went down right that was right. steven adams steven adams was kind of that imposing guy mm -hmm. who uh players knew like they had to they they couldn't just push him out of the way with one hand like right. you had to bring it to move steven adams and this guy uh kind of looks like one of those guys i mean you look at the rebounding numbers he averaged more rebounds than he did points in his year mm -hmm. like 12 point 12.9, I think it was, 11.9 rebounds per game. Uh, he, he's going to be terrific in that regard. Uh, but we'll we'll see, you know, how much opportunity he gets in this stretch. And then with Tosan Ewoma, uh, I actually remembered him, Sharon, from that game mm -hmm. in March Madness uh, when Princeton beat Missouri because it was kind of a big deal. It's like, you know, the Ivy League team beat, you know, Missouri SEC team in March Madness tournament. And he was a big catalyst for that win. And when you watch him play, even in the G League numbers and whatnot, he's kind of that Swiss Army knife type of player, uh, a player that pretty much any team can use because he can score it. He can shoot it a little bit, shot around 34% in G League. Uh, he can rebound it. He can pass it. 
Uh, I don't. I, I think you might be saying, well, why? Why hasn't he been in the league? Well, he's probably not great mm -hmm. at any of those areas, but he's good in pretty much all of them. So I think that's going to be a plus too. Right, because it seems like the G League players and the two way mm -hmm. players have been helping the Grizzlies a lot this season due to all those injuries. Exactly. And I really like how um, Matthew Hurt came in. He did what he's supposed to be doing. I think they could have gave him more shots, but you know that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but hey, he 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 played a solid game. You know, his yeah. first game, solid game. Hey, his first NBA points, he got ten points on a night that really helped the Grizzlies. Yeah, he so, can shoot it. So, what do you think about the rest of the season? Because like technically, they're not really out of the play-in thing because the team above them, you know, they've been losing and. Stuff like that, they still got a chance, but do you actually think it's gonna happen? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, they definitely got a chance. You know, they're they're behind, but they're not too far behind as to the point where it's it's over. Mm -hmm. But uh, they'd have to really go on a run here, and it's a lot of those key guys are still so far away. Like I do think, like if you talk about the way Vince Williams playing, mm -hmm. you know, Gigi, uh, he's doing it kind of because he's 19, you know, one game he's giving you great production and next game you're not getting as much. But he's playing good enough where I think it's better than what we've been seeing off the bench. So uh you talk about the production that those guys are giving you, then maybe you get a Brandon Clark back right. for the stretch run in addition to Desmond Bain and Marcus Smart. If they're within let's say three, four games going into that stretch, uh, the beginning of March, uh, they're going to have to win a lot of games in that month. But uh, that's kind of where you want to be. If they get five or six games back going into March, then when those guys will probably all be back and it's it's just going to be over. And uh, I think right now it, they're just in a tough spot. They're about to be home, right? I know they haven't won a lot at home, but February, if they can get some of that home cooking, if they can kind of find their ground at home, because they're gonna have a lot of home games this month. This is a lot month. of back, a lot of back to backs. Yeah, it's weird. But, but, yeah, but they'll be here. So you know, it's, it's certain back to backs, the ones you travel, like when they went from Indy to you know and played Sacramento here, or yeah. when they went from Denver to LA. Those are the worst ones. But when you mm -hmm. can sleep in your own bed and then play a team the next night, it's, it's a little bit easier. Still a back to back, but I feel like they got to take advantage of these home games. This was the month, like before the season started. Oh, Sharon, when we looked at the schedule and whatnot, mm -hmm. I said, oh, yeah, February. That's it. It's it's right. some tough games on there, but they're at home pretty much most of the month. That's the time when they can kind of go on a run and uh, do some damage. Even though, like, they're, you know, they have, you know, Jaron and basically, you know, the other players, they still play tough. And then it just, like, seems like teams have a hard time really scouting them because you just don't know which guy is going to go off. And then it's just like, you just can't take them for granted, you know, saying like, you just going to win because it's just like, they still play hard and tough. And I think that's just has something to do with the Grizzlies culture where, like you said, they're not used to losing. And then like yeah. the other guys coming in, Hey, I want to prove a point so I can get more playing time when the stars do come back. Yeah. It's funny because people keep saying, Oh, they should tank. They should tell them like, bro, have y'all been around the Grizzlies the last couple of years? Like, I, Desmond Bain, for example, I can do this with plenty of the players, but I'm just going to pick out Desmond Bain, for example. Desmond Bain right now is hurt, right? Uh, right. He has had three, he told me uh, one time, he's had pretty much three injuries his mm -hmm. entire basketball career. Like, I'm not talking just in the NBA. Like, because at TCU, 
-hmm. He didn't get hurt. He, right. he, he never had a real injury at TCU. We played pretty much every game he was available for. Uh, when he got to the league, he didn't have a real injury in his mind until that back injury mm -hmm. in the playoffs against Golden State, the one that really bothered him. And then there was the toe injury last season. And then this season, you know, it's the ankle injury. So this is kind of the first time he's had – they're not talking about little mild injuries where you miss a game here or there. But this is the first time he's had real injuries that have kind of impacted his him for a long time. But he's a basketball hooper. Like, he really wants to be out there. He's pushing right now to get back as soon as possible. I know. Were you – you and, was on the Grizzly. Was yeah. you on Grizzly when yep. uh, Michael Wallace said he tried to come back sooner? Yeah, yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's true. It's just, Mike Wallace reported it's true. Uh, he definitely is pushing. He is. I mean, he's out of. I mean, look at it. He had a grade three ankle sprain. He's already out of the boot. This is way sooner than anyone uh typically uh, gets out of a boot for a a, a grade three ankle sprain. So he's trending up for sure. And th that just goes to prove the point. Like if this team was tanking, like he'd still be in the boot, just kind of taking his time with his recovery. Like, no, that dude wants to get back and play. Like, this team is used to winning. Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart has never missed the playoffs in his NBA career. You think just because he's been hurt a lot, he's about to say, well, I guess this is the first time I'm going to miss the playoffs. No. Like, uh, that's, that's, a, that's assistant coach Marcus Smart because I see him <laughs> up coaching every game. This man yeah. is up coaching. He's telling somebody, I mean, then he's talking to the Ravs. I'm he like, man, a lot. Yeah. on a lot, on a lot. It's just, they might as well get him as assistant coach. Stop paying <laughs> him to be assistant coach now. You know, even though why he injured. And then I saw where you guys said that Ja uh, had his uh, Ja uh -huh. in practice today, had the uh, whistle and, you know, coaching and everything. But yeah. I, I, And then, like I was telling somebody last episode, I think it's good for the guys to have Ja there on the bench. You oh, see him, sure. you see him coaching too. But I think it's good to have him there. And I think that helps with the morale of the team as well. To I, have I, him I, out yeah. there. Yeah, you, you're right. I mean, I, I agree so much. I mean, because because he's good energy. Like when he's when he's on the bench, just like you said with Marcus Smart. Uh, even though he has that he has that right arm in the sling, but when he sees a, a missed call or something, he's standing up, pointing, and he's talking to the officials, he's talking to the coaches, he's talking to the players. Like uh, they got some guys that are that don't just sit on the bench and clap their hands. Like those dudes be engaged. So trade trade deadline coming up. It's gonna be interesting. Do you mm -hmm. think do you think there will be a big trade? Because I have heard rumors, not saying rumors with a chatter, that teams are interested in Marcus Smart. And I and then for me, I don't think that's gonna happen, but I, I don't know because I'm not like a grizzly insider insider. But I'm thinking, why would you trade for him and then just let him go because of this season? Then you trade for him for the future or whatever. He's not that old. Then people mm -hmm. people were talking about Stephen Adams. Um, they said, well, he has injuries or whatever. He's gonna be thirty one years old. All you need that dude to do is rebounding. Him having that knee problem, whatever, recovering from the knee, he still can get some rebounds. I mean, look at Andre German. I mean, he's old and he's still getting a lot of rebounds. <laughs> and I don't, I, I don't know. I just don't think that this chatter that we're hearing. Is realistic. People are always trying to go with the young, but we have seen in the past, sometimes that don't work. That's why you need veterans on the team. You just can't have young guys all the time. You need some veterans there who have been there 
and then give them a guidance and pointers and then that can help them. It should mm -hmm. not be a young team like it was before. Been right. over and done with, with that. So what are your thoughts on those trade rumors and then anything else you want to talk about as far as the trade goes? Yeah, I, I think the guys that you mentioned, I mean, from at least from what I've heard, are pretty safe. Uh, I, I don't expect Marcus Smart to get moved. Uh, I don't expect Steven Adams. At least we're talking trade deadline. I don't expect either one of those guys to be moved uh, right now. Uh, I think it's to a lesser degree other guys uh, that could be moved. You know, like uh, Xavier Tillman Sr., for example, who's on an expiring contract. Mm -hmm. John Conchar is another name that I've been hearing right. uh, that could be moved uh, as well. And if John Conchar's moved, he's going to go to a contender and go compete to win a championship. And uh, I think Xavier Tillman is more of the numbers game. He's a guy who's on in the last year of his contract. The Grizzlies need uh, more roster flexibility, and they're probably mm -hmm. unlikely to resign him Be sim simply for the fact that 14 other guys are under contracts beyond this season, and they have to sign a first-round pick, which means they need one spot for that. Gigi Jackson's contract will eventually have to be addressed. That's another uh, roster spot that you'll need something for. And then if you want to make any other free agency acquisition, that's another roster spot. So I'll say two, but you're probably going to need three roster spots. And right now, Xavier Tillman is the only one that you know you're going to have. So I think it's a good idea. It's it's a good chance that they could say, you know what, uh, we're not going to have him next season. We might as well try to get something uh, for him in return. So I think Xavier Tillman and John Conchar – uh, John Conchar has more years left on his deal, but he's a name that's popular uh, simply for the fact he's kind of a, a low usage, high impact type of player, someone that you don't have to give the ball to that much, that, which means he can go to a team with, you know, ball dominant guys, you know, like a Boston Celtics, for example, or like a Indiana Pacers, where they won't need him to score six, seven or eight points. They just need him to go play defense and rebound. Right. Um, what about Zaire Williams and Jake LaRavia? I haven't heard much on on those two right now. And if I was just giving you my kind of estimated opinion, guess like I think those are two names that we really should should watch in the offseason. Like okay. those are those are guys that I think like don't get me wrong, I, I I don't see how both of them are on the roster next season, but I haven't heard anything. So it'll kind of come it'll come out of left field for me if if one of those guys are moved at the trade deadline. I think Right now, X and uh, Conchar are the two guys that I've heard the most about. But uh, I think when you talk about uh, Zaire Williams and Jake LaRavia, they are two names to monitor as we get into the offseason. And the Grizzlies may want to execute some, you know, signing trades or whatever the case may be. But we've seen the last two offseasons, they've made some pretty big moves. And uh, I think when we get to that point, those are the names I think that could be real relevant around that time. So we got news today that Mark Gasol is retiring. What are yeah. your thoughts on that? He's like one of the Grizzlies' greats, uh, member of the core four, um, all NBA defensive player of the year. He, you know, was traded to Toronto, got his title. So what what do you think his legacy is as far as Memphis goes? Uh, he he did a lot for this community. He's great. You know, uh, he kind of just. He became a Memphian, you know, from from his days in high school, right? Like he was right. here when when uh, his big brother Powell was playing, and over the course of time, 
he, he, I mean, he just was a big part of the great grind culture. And he probably was the most decorated player of that core four. Like he was a right. three-time all-star. He made all NBA two times defensive player of the year. And mm -hmm. yeah, he, he beat out LeBron James that year. So that's a year that everybody, you know, talks about a lot. So he beat out LeBron James to win defensive player of the year. And, you know, he, he left the Grizzlies, went to the Raptors, won an NBA championship. We know about all the success he's had in international basketball mm -hmm. uh, with Spain and whatnot. And, I mean, Santi Aldama has talked to me a bunch about, you know, the impact that Powell and Mark Gasol kind of had on his basketball career as he grew up. So uh, Mark Gasol is a basketball legend in Memphis, you know, in Spain, and kind of just internationally, period. Like, he has kind of established himself – uh, I'll always remember kind of as a kid, like you, you, we would watch Mark Gasol and it, it, it would kind of be funny because uh, when you're a kid, you know, watching basketball, you're looking at Blake Griffin and, you know, Amari Stoudemire and all these dudes that like to dunk the ball all over the place. And then Mark Gasol was so good. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like Jokic style before Jokic, right? Like, right. like he just passing the ball, and then he started shooting three-pointers, you know, as he got later in his career. He was always an effective scorer. Then you always saw him get all these block shots, and he's barely jumping. Right. And it's just like, uh, it, it was kind of funny. You know, I remember it being just funny to me as a kid. Like, bro, how is Marcus Smart so – I mean, why did I say Marcus Smart? How is Mark Gasol uh, so good uh, without even – it doesn't even look like he tries that hard, but that's an IQ thing. You know, when you get older, you understand that he just knew the game so well that he could kind of, uh, you know, play a, a step uh, faster than some people. And you know what? You know what I always say? If Mark ever, if Mark had had that Zebo attitude, mm. dude would have been the best player on the floor every night. But Mark always wanted to play the game the right way. Yeah. But if he was selfish, you know, sometimes I had an attitude where, like, you can't guard me, this, that, and the other, mm -hmm. he would have been the best player on the floor every single night he 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 like you said he would have been uh Jokic <laughs> yeah he been Jokic he really could have been there he right I, I, he, he could have been. he could have he really could have so um what do you think gonna happen in like the next two games at home you know they got Cleveland then they got Golden State so last time I was listening I, I didn't come I was listening to Jacob Gilliard audio he mm -hmm. said that John Morant wanted them really to win that game against Golden State really right, right. bad because those players came out there. They played Golden State. I'm like, who is this team? They played Golden State <laughs> tough, real tough. So I know it's going to be on and popping on Friday night. So what do yeah. you think about the game in Cleveland? And then, like, since they got the rebounding backup in Jameson, is mm -hmm. he going to get real minutes? I think he should. He tall, big dude, like you said, stocky. Hey, they yeah. need him out there to deal with uh Cleveland. Um, so what what are your thoughts on those next two games? You you just hit it on the button for me. Like uh this this Cleveland is weird to me from the standpoint of they haven't had Evan Mobley uh lately and they haven't had Darius Garland. Darius mm -hmm. Garland, former all-star, Evan Mobley was in the competition with Jaron Jackson Jr. for defense player of the year uh last year. I believe he finished uh second or third uh in that voting and whatnot. So uh they haven't had those two, but they've been really good. And in a way, if you watch the Cavs play, that Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, uh, front court thing, it's it's kind of it's it's not the greatest fit 
And that's why, you know, people have kind of been saying that they're going to eventually move one of those guys. So now when you have Evan Mobley returning to the lineup, naturally you have a talent upgrade, but I wonder how it's going to fit all together, you know, like so fast. Like maybe the Grizzlies can catch them early, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I just wouldn't be surprised if it happens because at the end of the day, this team is big, the Cavs. And the Grizzlies, I mean, we just saw Sabonis look like he was about to set a whole rebounding record. You know, uh, against them. And I mean, we've seen Zubak, uh, we've seen Jokic, we've seen all these guys have 20 plus rebound games against the Grizzlies. And Jared Allen has been one of the best rebounders in the NBA. Evan Mobley is solid in that regard as well. Uh, so it's going to be a tough game on the glass, that first one. Uh, and I mean, Donovan Mitchell, you know, he doesn't have Dylan Brooks to get under his skin anymore here. So well, he's going to uh, have to deal with Vince Williams Jr. Though. I was just, yeah, I was about to say, he, he got to deal with Vince now. So, uh, We'll see how that goes, but uh, I, I I don't know uh, how that one will shake out because of the rebounding. Like we're gonna have to see Trey Jimson. They're gonna have to throw him out there, and we'll really know real fast uh, if he can hang up here or not. And then in that second game, that's the one where I think it's the more winnable game. Look mm -hmm. at uh, between the Cavs and the Warriors. The Warriors game is definitely the more winnable one to me. It's all about just who you're gonna have available. You right, know, uh, Luke Kennard, uh, Derrick Rose are both kind of that, close, yeah, close to getting back. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, talking to uh, Taylor Jenkins, it sounds like uh, either that game, that Warriors game, or the game after that where they played the Celtics uh, and the Knicks. Uh, somewhere in that stretch, they're going to get Kennard and Rose back. So if it's that game against the Cavs where those guys are able to return, then I like their chance. I mean, not the Cavs, excuse me. The Warriors. But, uh, against the Warriors, then I like their chances a little bit more uh, because you're going to need, you know, a couple more battle-tested guys because I feel like the Warriors are going to come come out quick. Uh, they're going to say, all right, we, we let these young dudes catch us slipping uh, last time, and, and they're going to play with kind of a higher, you know, uh, higher level of awareness of what uh, the Grizzlies bring to the table. But the Grizzlies can win that game uh, for sure. Oh, and let me get back. I forgot to ask you uh, about Jaron Jackson Jr., his comments on Mark Gasol yeah. uh, at practice. I know you uh, put it out, but, you know, Mark, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. played with Mark Gasol his rookie year. It wasn't a whole year, was it? No, no, that was the year that Mark, Mark Gasol got, got traded. traded. Yeah, mm -hmm. but he played with Mark, and Mark taught him some things. Can you uh, talk about that? Yeah, he just said he was talking about, um, you know, what he learned from Mark Smart and, and I mean, from Mark Gasol in that time and basically saying that, uh, yeah, he he taught him uh, defensive positioning, which if you follow Jaron through the draft and Jaron in, in in college and even early in his NBA career, like Jaron kind of used to be known for kind of like hunting block shots, but being out of position and having someone like Mark Gasol, who is one of the better players in his prime at being at the right place at all the times on defense. Uh, he talked about how that was an important uh part of part of his game and, and kind of learning that from him. And I think that stood out to me as well because uh, Jaron came in with all the natural gifts as a shot blocker, but being able to play with a former defensive player of the year, a guy who, when he says, Hey, this is what you do on the defensive end. You don't, you don't, you can't say, you know, Hey, I, I got to know what he's talking about. That's a former defensive player. Of the year. He has what you want to have and what Jaron eventually won. But uh, I think that was the main thing that stood out to me, but he, he talked a lot about uh, it's his first, encounter the first practice where uh you know Marcus was slapping the ball out of his hand kind of testing him out a little bit and 
and you know, trying to trying to see if he had some dog in him. So he, he says he was going at it, going at it with him and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you know, Jaren said it made him a better player. Well, well, that's that's good to know. So, um, you think Mark gonna come back and be on the uh, uh the staff, or he gonna stay in Spain and do what he doing? <laughs> you know, hey, <laughs> Santi alluded to it in his in his post. You know, earlier, you know, some of some coming to Memphis and yeah, whatnot. That that'll be great to have Mark Mark us all on the uh, staff or something. Mm -hmm. Hey, Zebo need to be on the staff too. You know, <laughs> help them with the rebounding. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look, maybe I, sign, I, sign Zebo to a 10-day contract or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think uh what Santi and, and a lot of the people have been referring to today with him coming back is uh when he gets his jersey retired. Because remember the Grizzlies have they've been talking about it. Like it's right. it's something that the franchise has wanted to do, but they, you know, kind of out of respect for his basketball career that he was having over in Spain and the rest of his NBA career, uh, they were waiting on this announcement. Right. Now that he is officially retired from playing professional basketball, uh, they're going to move forward with the decision on uh, retiring that number 33, and we'll see when it goes up in the Raptors. But it's going to be right up there, right next to 50. Right. So I, I'm thinking maybe I, – I wonder if they're going to do it this season or wait till next season, but, you know, that's we'll see. The vibes but, will be back next season. I mean, it should be next season, but I, season. I wouldn't – yeah, yeah, this season, yeah, okay. <laughs> Look, I feel you on that one. I'll yeah, wait till next season for the vibes to be back, you know. But, yeah. uh, DeMichael, I want to thank you for coming on with me, Uh, you know, because, you know, like, you busy, you famous and stuff, you know. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on with me. You got to come back because I really enjoy talking to yeah. you. And, hey, I can come on y'all, you know, a little show, too, or whatever. Look, even though I don't like video, I like the audio, you know, I don't like yeah. the scene. You know, you can hear me instead of, you know. What <laughs> I, <laughs> I really appreciate I appreciate you coming on. Um, I guess I'll see you tomorrow at the game. Oh, yeah, you for sure will. Appreciate you for having me, Sharon. All right. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube